Welcome to 10.5, the official podcast of the OPP Association. I am Scott Mills. And I'm Josh Jutras. We are the Strategic Communications Coordinators for the OPP Association and your hosts for the 10.5 podcast, the official podcast of the OPP Association. And for our listeners that uh, haven't listened to any of our podcasts before, uh, the OPP Association is the sole bargaining agent for the close to 10,000 members of the Ontario Provincial Police in Ontario, Canada. Our rallying cry is, our members are our focus and our strength. And uh, we aim to provide important information to our members and the public about matters that affect policing in the province of Ontario. And on this episode, we are talking pregnancy and parental leaves. Our guest is no stranger to the 10.5 podcast. Pleased to be joined by Lisa Hillstrom, the Executive Officer of Pension and Benefits for the OPP Association. Lisa, welcome back. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much, Scott and Josh. It's always a pleasure uh, uh, recording a podcast with you both. Well, Lisa, your uh, retirement series gets a lot of listeners. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really good. And uh, I think your, your combined podcasts alone have the largest viewership of the 35 episodes to date. So oh, wow. Thank you very really? much. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us all the time and uh, getting this information out there. Yeah. No problem. So, Lisa, many listeners can attest to this. Pregnancy and parental leave provisions can be pretty overwhelming. Uh, there were changes that came into effect on January 1st of 2020. And through this podcast, we want to highlight a member's leave provisions, the suballowance entitlement, the difference between the standard parental leave and the extended parental leave, and the importance of reviewing their insurances and updating their insured benefit coverage. Excellent. So, Lisa, you, you've been here before, so we're, we're just going to start going with our rapid-fire questions, and uh, Josh and I will alternate. Okay, let's go. <laughs> okay, first question. <laughs> um, what are the pregnancy and parental leave provisions for OPP Association members? So members that are entitled full-time uh, uniform and civilian members and regular part-time, um, as we're going to assume through this podcast that they've um, met the eligibility that they've been um, with the OPP for more than um, 13 weeks. Um, so basically the provisions that they're entitled to is um, uh, 17 weeks of pre uh, pregnancy leave with 37 or 63 weeks of parental leave. Um, and we're going to go into a little bit more detail in regards to uh, different entitlements through that, those different leave periods. But I also would just like to mention when I said there's 17 weeks of the pr um, pregnancy leave, depending on when that individual, if they take the, um, or sorry, the pregnancy leave, they take the parental leave immediately after that pregnancy leave is only going to be 16 weeks because there's an additional week that's going to be tacked on at the end. And I'll go into a little bit more detail as we go throughout the podcast. Okay. So I just want to clarify, do the pregnancy and parental leaves for a pregnant member need to be taken consecutively? Yes, they do. Um, and in some cases, we may receive questions from an individual who is nearing the end of their pregnancy or even when they're planning their leaves. Um, they're pregnant and just wondering, does it have to be continuous? And it does. And I think it's important at this time also to indicate 
EI or Service Canada may allow individuals to not take their pregnancy in the parental leave consecutive, you know, immediately after each other, um, or sorry, take the parental leave immediately after the pregnancy leave. But there's provisions within our, our collective agreement that you're not eligible to do that. So there are some differences of what they will allow, meaning they, meaning Service Canada, compared to what's in our collector agreement. Just further clarification on that, um, Lisa, does the parental leave for a birth parent, legal parent, or adoptive parent need to be taken consecutively? Um, absolutely, yes. The parental leave as well for birth parent, legal parent, and adoptive uh, parents do need to be taken consecutively. I think it's important uh, for individuals to understand as well that they may contact Service um, Canada who will say, yeah, it doesn't have to be taken consecutively. However, within the provisions of our collective agreement, that leave does have to be taken consecutively. Um, so it's just important that individuals do their homework, but not rely on just the information they may receive from San um, Service Canada to understand that they need to confirm the provisions within our collective agreement and the and who and where they could confirm that information is through Ontario Shared Services because they administer the uh, the payroll, they're going to be uh, paying the individual and they're well-versed in the entitlements for pregnancy and parental leave as well. And Lisa, the term suballowance is not something I had heard before about six and a half minutes ago. What is okay. the suballowance entitlement during the pregnancy and parental leaves for a pregnant member? And did I actually say that correctly? You did say that correctly. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. And so what the suballowance is, it's whether individuals want to refer it to a top up. Um, but basically, um, the suballowance is a payment they will receive from the employer that is processed through Ontario Shared Services and throughout their leave period will determine how much suballowance they're entitled to. Now for a pregnant um, member, for example, they're going to be, um, there's a one week waiting period before they're going to be in receipt of any EI benefit. So for that first week waiting period, they would receive 93% of their salary from the employer. And then the next 15 weeks of that pr uh, pregnancy leave, they will be in receipt of the EI benefit. And I'm gonna assume the individual's eligible for the maximum EI benefit of 55% of their salary. And there is a maximum, so it may not be a true 55% of a member's salary. Then the individual, the payroll will look at that individual's um, salary and bring and top up that EI benefit with the suballowance to 93% of their salary. So basically it's 93% of their salary less the amount they're receiving of the EI benefit. And then to continue on for a pregnant member who is then going to be taking parental leave immediately after that pregnancy leave, during that first 15 weeks of the parental leave, they're gonna to receive top up. And again, it's gonna be 93% of the salary minus 55% or that EI benefit of whatever that EI benefit is. And it's important at this time as well. And I, I know I may say this a couple times throughout the broadcast, but I think it's an important component is for individuals to understand whether they're taking the standard parental leave 
or the extended parental leave, the suballowance will be the same. So basically what happens if the individual who's choosing to take the extended leave, they're, they're going to receive the same suballowance for someone taking the standard leave. So their income is going to be less during that 15 week period because the EI benefit is less. So again, we'll probably mention this a couple times throughout the, the podcast as well. So I think it's okay if we do repeat it a few times because it's such an important component. Great information. I'm learning a lot uh, listening to you, uh, what you're saying here, Lisa. So next question is, what is the suballowance entitlement for a birth parent, legal parent, or adoptive parent during the parental leave? So for an individual for that, and I'm going to, uh, with a birth parent, um, basically they have a one week waiting period as well. Um, however, keeping in mind, EI will automatically waive the one week waiting period for a second parent. So if that birth parent, legal parent or adoptive parent is, um, a, sec- uh, a, a parent that is taking the leave after another parent, they are going to want to not waive that waiting period because by waiving that waiting period, they're losing out on that one week's leave. And that um, one week waiting period does not impact the weeks that they're entitled to under the parental leave through EI. So it's important to understand that. So in this example, the, the um, birth parent would serve that one week waiting period, then they're entitled to, and they're in that one week waiting period, they're going to receive 93% of their salary from the employer. And then the next 15 up to 15 weeks, they're entitled to receive 93% of their salary, less the 55% EI benefit. And the 55% EI benefit is the standard EI benefit. So again, keeping in mind, for those individuals who choose to take the extended parental, that their suballowance is not going, their, their suballowance will be the same as if they were taking the standard. So maybe an example is if the suballowance is $1,000, I'm going to say, and during that 15 weeks, they'll receive that $1,000 and the amount of EI benefit, whether it's the 55% or the 33%. And the 33% where that comes from is that's the amount, the maximum, if individuals are state are choosing to take the extended parental leave, that is 61 weeks that is shared between the parents. Lisa, under the Federal Employment Insurance Act, the federal government introduced the parental sharing benefit which is an additional benefit that can increase the standard leave EI benefit by five weeks and the extended leave EI benefit by eight weeks. That's a lot to think of. It is, eh? (laughs) Can you explain the maximum leave under our collective agreements for the OPP Association and touch on the above additional benefit that I just described. Absolutely. And for this one thing, um, what I would like to identify is 
we have pregnancy and parental leave charts that are available on the OPPA website. And on that is one um, near the bottom of that chart identifies important update that identifies and speaks to this um, Federal Employment Insurance Act provision. And I am going to read just a little bit. I don't like to read, but I am going to in this instance, just to ensure that it's it's clear. So the federal government introduced the parental sharing benefit, which is an additional benefit that can increase the standard leave by five weeks and the extended EI benefit by eight. While the benefit is extended up to um, 69 weeks under this act, consistent with the Ontario Employment Standards Act, the maximum leave under our collective agreement remains at 61 weeks. Thus, the additional time off required to access parental sharing benefit is within the OPP's discretion. Now, what I'd also like to share in regards to this provision is um, commonly I'll, I'll receive a call from a second parent who is trying to plan their parental leave. Their spouse has taken the standard leave and the maximum amount that one under, then this is under the EI provision, the maximum one parent can take is 35 weeks. So what that, that with the parental sharing benefit of for the standard of the additional five weeks, that second parent can take five weeks parental leave and be in receipt of EI benefit through Service Canada and their spouse can still take that 35 week and so it's it's beneficial for that second parent if they wish to take that five weeks um, of the parental sharing benefit within the provisions of our collector agreement they can in essence take seven weeks off the first week would be serving that one week waiting period receiving 93 percent of their salary from the employer for the five weeks that they're in receipt of ei They'll receive whatever they're entitled to through EI, topping that up to 93% of their salary, keeping in mind those individuals who choose if their, their spouse has taken the extended parental, the other parent is taking under the provisions of the extended parental. So that would be actually eight weeks under that provision, but keeping in mind for those individuals who have taken the extended parental, the top up is 93% minus the 55% EI, it's not minus the 33. So they're not getting a true 93% of their salary during that extended parental leave period. Then at the end of that five week period, there's the one week further one week within our collective agreement that they take immediately after their EI benefit stops and immediately before they return back to work. So that's where in essence, they can actually take seven weeks off. Hopefully I didn't confuse you. <laughs> no, and uh, just for our members, our listeners out there, we will put a link in the show notes to the pregnancy and parental leave charts that Lisa referenced on our website. So Lisa, thank you for that. We do appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Changing gears here a little bit and a big question that uh, I know a lot of people wonder, what, if any, impact is there to a member's insured benefits and insurances during the pregnancy and parental leaves? 
Uh, it's important for individuals to understand the insured benefits. And when we talk about insured benefits, we're meaning the supplementary health and hospital, vision, hearing, dental. Um, and so those insured benefits are the same as if they were at work during the pregnancy and parental leave periods. Um, so there's no requirement for them to pay any premium for the insured benefits. This is really informative, Lisa. Um... I think any family Great. that's, uh, you know, anybody that's going to be planning a pregnancy would, would want to listen to this. And uh, it does get quite confusing from uh, from my personal experience as well. So um, thanks for, for sharing all this. My, our next question is, will a member continue to accrue their pension credit with the public service pension plan known as the PSPP during the pregnancy and parental leaves? Um, that is uh, a great question. I think a real important one too, because uh, an individual's pension credit is a very important component of their career planning and, and their planning for their retirement. Um, so during the time that an individual is receiving sub-allowance from the employer, their pension credit is going to continue. Um, and that's just to, those individuals should always confirm with OSS that they are gonna to continue to deduct their pension credit during that sub-allowance period. Any leaves that they are no longer receiving that, uh, the parental leave in particular, that they're no longer receiving that sub-allowance, then um, the member is required to make their uh, pension contributions. And what they should do is contact the Ontario Pension Board if they have any questions in regards to their uh, their pension contributions um, during that leave that they're not making them uh, or their the credit uh, the pension is not being deducted from their sub allowance what options they will have um, to either continue you know contribute during that leave or buy back when they return but I highly recommend individuals um, that are end up being on a leave without pay. Uh, that they're not receiving the sub allowance to connect with the pension plan because it's so important to ensure they understand the implication if they choose not to buy back or contribute during that period of time and how that may impact them achieving their early unreduced retirement later in their career and i think at this point in i think a, a important message that i'd like to share with the individuals a lot of times when they're young, they're having their children and maybe, you know, a month or two months of not making a pension contribution isn't a big deal. However, if they don't buy that time back and you never know in the future what may happen, we've had different early um, retirement options that individuals were eligible to take advantage of, like temporary programs. And during those programs, there were a number of individuals that would say, oh, I wish I'd bought time, my time back from my pregnancy leave or uh, parental leave in particular, because if I had bought that time back, I'd be able to take advantage of that early retirement option that has come up. So there's always that's why it's always important to connect with the pension board to clearly understand the impact of that and hopefully i know i've gone into way more probably detailed than you had thought or would think but i think it's just so important for individuals to understand how important it is 
for their pension credit in their retirement planning. Lisa, that's well said, and I wish you would have told my wife and I this back when we adopted our daughter, but that's another conversation for another podcast altogether. Um, no problem. <laughs> do members continue? Well, things, you know, you just don't think about, right? Yeah, well, exactly, and that was the whole thing, and it, we thought about it too late, and by that point, it was way too late, and she's going to be working a little longer now, and there's nothing we can do about that at this point, but... yeah. You know, it's good to have this information. So I, we do appreciate sure. you sharing that. Um, no next one is about vacation credits. Do members continue to accrue their vacation credits during the pregnancy and parental leaves? Uh, yes, they do, actually. And I think that's an important component thing uh, for the members as well. And so they will accrue it during any period of their uh, pregnancy or parental leave. And um, in some cases, some people may choose to, um, when their leaves are done, they may choose to physically not return and use some of that uh, vacation credit immediately um, after their leaves just to extend it a little bit. So that's an option as well. But um, I think the, you know, it's most beneficial for those individuals knowing that, yes, you are still going to accrue your vacation credits. Lisa, this uh, next question uh, uh, is could create a little bit of excitement because I know when you know people are ex people are expecting that uh, you know should we tell people should we not uh, etc. So this question is mm -hmm. about when should you notify the employer when you will be taking your leave. Um, good question. And um, so for an individual taking their pregnancy leave. Um, you know, uh, of course, at some point when they let everyone know I'm pregnant and that, and so usually the employer knows well in advance uh, that the, the a member is going to be taking their pregnancy leave. Now, it, it's just probably important to understand pregnancy leaves, they can start as early as 12 weeks before the due date or the date that you give birth, but you have to give the employer notice. Um, so an individual, for example, who has, they know their due date and they've chosen, this is the date that I am starting my pregnancy leave. Um, and in some cases, the only time that date is going to change is basically if they have the baby earlier, if they have the baby earlier, well, then of course it's going to start earlier. Right. Um, but, um, you know, uh, just keeping that in mind. If an individual wants to change the effective date of that, um, that pregnancy leave, they need to give the employer at least two weeks notice of any change. Now for parental leaves, individuals um, need to provide the employer at least six weeks notice um, of that parental leave because um, the employer has to plan for that uh, individual being away and operational requirements. Um, when that individual is going to be away. So they need to provide at least six weeks notice for parental leave. Any additional information that members should be mindful about prior to starting their leave? Um, I think one thing is with the insured, um, the insurances, for, uh, for example, that's one thing that um, I think is important for individuals. And that's the, when I talk about insurances, I'm referring to the mandatory life insurance, accidental death and dismemberment, critical illness. Those are the, there's mandatory and there's optional insurances. Before the birth of the child, I would highly recommend that members 
contact target benefit administrators, review your insurances, because there's going to be 31 days from the birth of that child that members can purchase or increase insurances without providing any evidence of insurability. And this is an opportunity um, for those individuals as well to, to look at um, whether it's their first child or um, their second or third. Um, their requirement and their insurance needs change as their family may change. So to keep that in mind, have that conversation, important conversation with Target, um, because individuals may want to take advantage of putting insurances in place before the baby is, um, there's, there's some that they may, critical illness, for example, that they may want to put in place before the birth of the child, but others, it will be again within 31 days of that birth. Um, and so that's one important thing. Um, another thing is do your homework, um, ask questions, contact Service Canada. I think the, uh, it's very important for individuals to understand with the suballowance, you have to be in receipt of EI benefits to receive the suballowance. And I've had some individuals that they, when the period of time they took the leave, they weren't eligible for EI as long as they thought they would be. And so it's just so important because there's no eligibility for EA benefits past 52 weeks, and that's the standard, or 78 weeks, and that's the extended parental after the birth or adoption of a child. So keeping that in mind, it has to be within that period of time. And I've had individuals that weren't aware of that and they missed out on some leave. Um, so it's just so much better to do their homework contact Service Canada, contact the OSS um, call centre, and the contact information for OSS is opssc at ontario.ca or 1-866-979-9300 or 416-326-9300. And contacting the Ontario Pension Board, and I know I'm repetitive, I've said it earlier in the podcast, but contact the pension board so they clearly understand impacts to their pension of not contributing to their pension plan during any leave that they're not in receipt of that sub allowance. And they can connect with the pension board either by looking at their website at www.opb.ca or emailing them at clientservice at opb.ca or 1-800-668-6203. I've got that, this is just, I'm just gonna add this. I've got that number embedded in my head. I've told it to so many people. Um, and then, or the pension board at 416-364-5035. And just enjoy your time with your, your child. And um, because it's an opportunity to be able to take the pregnancy and parental leave You've only got this opportunity when you have the children take advantage of it because it's a very special time um, with your family and we wish you all the best. That's absolutely a great way to finish off, uh, Lisa. Uh, you know, you've got so much experience. You've been doing this since 2006. And uh, if you're listening to this and you uh, you're, you're kind of confused. The good thing about the podcast is you can just play it again. You can play it for somebody else. You can uh, just slow it down, pause it, write some things down. Uh, I think the key message here 
is is to actually do some planning and to think about this stuff uh, when you're expecting a child. So thank you very much, uh, Lisa. Oh, you're welcome. I, I really enjoy this. And, and, and I think Josh had mentioned before that you're going to include the links to the charts for the parental and pregnancy and parental leaves, because I think those are very important. And I, and I think that will help individuals to clearly understand what their options are and uh, help them through that process. Yeah, those links will be, uh, they're on our members only site. So if you're an OPPA member, you'll be able to access it. And if you're having difficulty getting to the members only, you can send an email to OPPA at OPPA.ca to gain that access. Lisa Hillstrom is the Executive Officer of Pension and Benefits for the OPP Association. Lisa, we always appreciate your time here on the 10.5 podcast, and we hope you will be back soon. Absolutely. And thank you so much for the invitation. I always enjoy uh, the podcast with you both, Josh and Scott. Thank you. Thank you. And that is our episode for this week. A new episode drops next Friday and all episodes are always available on our blog at oppa.ca slash media. If you like what you hear, please use that subscribe button on your podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For Scott Mills, I'm Josh Jutras. And from everyone here at the OPP Association, thank you for listening and be safe.